Hey, Daily Shine listeners, it's Mara, co-founder of Shine. Naomi and I have some exciting news. We're hosting a new podcast all about caring for your mental health at work. It's called Friends with Mental Health Benefits. We started Shine after leaning on each other for mental health support at work. We realized we didn't always feel comfortable talking about our mental health because we didn't really see anybody else doing that, especially at the top. But we're all going through something. So with this podcast, we want to shine a light on the people you might think have it all together. You're going to hear from leaders and founders about how they're actually doing and caring for their own mental health. Our first guest is a force to be reckoned with, and we know you're going to love this episode. Listen to a preview to the first episode now. Welcome to Friends of Mental Health Benefits. I'm Mara Lighty. And I'm Naomi Hirabayashi. And we're the founders of Shine, the inclusive mental health company built for all of us, because we believe that everyone deserves to feel seen, supported, and cared for in their mental health journey. And today, we are so excited to be joined by our incredible friend, Reshma Sajani. Reshma is a leading activist and the founder of Girls Who Code and Marshall Plan for Moms. She's also the author of the new book, Pay Up. Reshma has spent more than a decade building movements to fight for women and girls' economic empowerment, working to close the gender gap in the tech sector, and most recently advocating for policies to support moms who have been impacted by this pandemic. Reshma is also the author of the international bestseller, Brave Not Perfect. And if you are around young girls or raising young girls, I highly recommend it. It's incredibly helpful. And her TED Talk that illustrates it, Teach Girls Bravery, Not Perfection, is also amazing and has over 5 million views globally. Reshma actually started her career as an attorney and democratic organizer. In 2010, she surged onto the political scene as the first Indian American woman to run for Congress. God, you're such a badass. It's like, just my, it's like, I just got so energized by rereading this this morning. Rashma lives in New York City with her incredible husband, Nahal, their son, Sean, and Sai, and their bulldog, Sandy, or Sandy, and their bulldog, Stanley, aka Sandy. But <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, Rashma. We're, we're so excited to have you. Oh, so it's so wonderful to be here with the two of you. And congratulations to all the powerful work and important work that you're doing. And you did it. Thank you, Rashma. And just to kick things off, we want to start with a question that Mar and I try to do at every one of our check-ins, which is every day, and also with the team, which is, how are you really doing? And if it's helpful, something that we do as a team to like, kind of give ourselves some structure around that is little picture, big picture. So little picture, how are you in this moment? And then big picture, like how are you feeling overall in, in your life? Yeah, I mean, I think little picture, I'm a little tired. Yeah, um, it's real. You know, I've been grinding mm -hmm. for my book and Marshall Plan for Moms. You know, we're just kind of going through. Our little baby was sick for a while. We were in the mm. ER last week. And so mm. I've had a little more travel. Like It's, it's been like re-entry for me and like, you know, speeches again in front of thousands of people. People wanting to hug you, touch you, kiss you, <laughs> and just being fully present. So it's been a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, I say sometimes to our babysitter, who I love, Farah, I'll, sometimes I'll be like, I don't, I don't feel like being rushed with Johnny today. Yeah. Mm. And I, I definitely feel like um, I'm, I'm kind of there. I think it's just because I need, I just need a little bit of a break. Yeah. Because I'm deeply in love with what I'm doing and what I'm saying and what I'm. I think it's because I'm so emotionally invested mm -hmm. um, that right, it takes all of this kind of energy out of you. Um, big picture, I've never been more joyful mm -hmm. doing exactly what I want to do. I feel like um, I'm getting to spend more time with my kids. 
my husband. Like I'm doing my health. You know, I, I play tennis three, four times a week. Oh, wow. That's um, awesome. I feel like physically I'm strong. Mentally I'm, you know, strong. You know, I'm going to my Bhagavad Gita classes once a week, which are really important to me. So, yeah, that's where I am. Good for you, Rash. And, you know, part of the goal of this podcast is to kind of help leaders, you know, be more vulnerable and open up about the tough stuff. And I just think about the example that you set by just naturally, you just naturally do that. And we don't always realize the impact that has on other people, but just even by saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm tired. I'm having a bad day. Mm. I remember, um, a coach told me once as a leader, you are the weather. And I think the way that I took it was not the way she meant it, Mm. which was like, you know, get it together, lock it up. You can't have a bad day. You know, all days are good days. And if you're having a bad day, like keep it to yourself. And that was, you know, really early on in Shine. And I think spending more time as a leader of the company, I think I learned that like, oh, when she said you are the weather, it was about not just how I'm feeling. And if I feel a certain way, other people are going to feel that way. It's the exact opposite. It's about being vulnerable and and opening up. And that allows other people to do that. So I just, um, I appreciate that. It's just nice to hear, you know, another person who's working and a parent and, you know, living this big life and is so happy overall, which I can so relate to, but is also tired, which I can also relate to, you know? (laughs) So I'd I'd love to hear, I think, you know, part of of what we're hoping to share with our listeners is, is more of that. And, you know, as I mentioned, Reshma has been so open about her mental health, you know, what that was like in her political journey to what that was like in her fertility journey as a founder. And I'm just curious, like, what has it been like leading up to this moment for you where you're, you know, living in your truth, you feel like this is exactly the work you're supposed to be doing. What does the behind the scenes look like for you? Look, I think you two both can relate. Like I was raised as daughter of immigrants, you know, you never showed your emotion. I don't even think we hug in my family, mm. you know, much less say I love you. Like it's, <laughs> it's very, very, very kind of, um, uh, but we're also, it's, it's bizarre though, because but we're also very brutally honest with each other, <laughs> but it's like, so it's like, we're not fake. We're actually too honest, <laughs> but we're also not really physically. So everyone teases me, right? Cause I never give a hug. I don't like people touching me except my kids. Mm. Um, my dog was probably the best thing that happened to me because I finally learned affection. Yeah. Um, this is all what my husband tells me. But, <laughs> so, you know, because I, I grew up with two refugees that had a lot of financial stress and just a lot of stress. And um, I got very good very early of compartmentalizing, you know, how I was feeling, how my parents were feeling, what was happening with what was showing up and being a good mm-hmm. student and going to school every day and, you know, um, compartmentalizing. And so I, I think part of that was being very good about how to control my emotions. Mm-hmm. So my friends always say to me today, you are the strongest person that I know because I am like a rock. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody has a problem, somebody's dying, somebody has this, like I'm there and I can kind of hold it together and navigate everybody through you know, really tough times. I don't know if you've ever been, I hope you haven't, in an emergency room or a doctor's office with your kid. But it's really funny because you, I would think that Nahal would be the one like, okay, let me hold him while he gets a shot. Oh no, right? It's like he's hiding in the corner <laughs> yeah. while we are there, yeah. you know, yeah. steady Freddy, right? Yeah. So 
I think that's the role I have always played in my family, in my, my this family, and in my friends. And I think that definitely goes back to the way that I was raised. Mm-hmm. Now, I would argue that then becoming a CEO and a leader, even a congressional candidate and then a leader, um, you really weren't able to show emotion when things didn't go your way or you were upset. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when I lost my congressional race, I had... I was devastated. And there was this young girl, Rebecca, who was like, you know, with me basically the whole time. And when I was getting the results back in, I wanted to cry so bad. Mm. But I remember looking at her and thinking, I can't cry. Because if I cry, then Rebecca will see me cry. Mm. And that will define her for the Mm. rest of her life, right? Because back then, being a strong woman and being vulnerable were not in the same sentence. Right, right. And that was double confounded for me as I was a woman of color mm-hmm. who was told that all the time. And so, you know, as I was building Girls Who Code, kind of same thing. Like, I never cried in a staff meeting. I would, I was just talking about this earlier, you know, miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage, mm-hmm. I would just, no heartbeat, okay. Mm-hmm. I gotta get on stage and introduce Obama. No heartbeat, okay, I gotta go. Um, raise money for Girls Who Code and speak to 100 people. No heartbeat, okay, I gotta go sit in front of 600 people. And so I had really bought into kind of girl boss culture Mm -hmm. and the examples and role models that we had seen of women that you never show any pain. You never show any vulnerability. Like this is the price that you pay, you know what I mean? To make a difference, to change the world, to be a leader. Mm -hmm. And so showing any vulnerability is weakness. And people will either take advantage of you or they won't respect you. And so I got very good at that. And I think it really broke for me. I would say it broke for me twice. Once it broke for me after the second round of miscarriages with my second. And I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I had this, ins- I had remember found out like at four o'clock that we didn't have a heartbeat. And then I had to get on a plane to Utah, um, four o'clock in the morning. And I had to get a plane to Utah and I remember I got there, I'm sitting there, I'm doing this whole kind of, you know, ribbon cutting ceremony with the governor of Utah, mm. 700 girls in a room, again, I desperately wanted a daughter. Mm. And I just did it. And I was so ashamed of myself afterwards because mm. um, I couldn't say, no, I can't show up today. Right. I can't do that. And that I could, had, I had conditioned myself so well, again, after eight, nine years of miscarriages to keep doing that. I was like, is there something wrong with me? Like, that is not normal, right? Nothing. And, and I remember breaking down to my E-team, basically being like, I, I need a break. I yeah. can't. Do- this is what's been happening to me. I need you to, Deborah, I need you to take this. Tariq, I need yeah. you to take this. Fergus, I need you to take this. And it was so liberating for us as a team. Yeah. You know, and I think really, we were always close, but made us even closer. Um, that people wanted me to lean on them. That I could show vulnerability and still be more respected. We hope you enjoyed the preview. Subscribe to Friends with Mental Health Benefits wherever you get your podcasts. We've included a link in the show notes. And when you're done listening, we'd love your feedback. Leave us a review and let us know what you think of the first episode. Enjoy. Enjoy.